Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. I was on mute there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel L. Conan, Dennis Dick, Mitch Hotch with us. Uh, happy Veterans Day. I want to start off the show with that. Thanks to all who served. We appreciate your service every day, not just today, but uh, on, on today. Happy Veterans Day to everyone. Uh, a lot on our radar here today. We're going to talk about a very interesting uh, stock sale from the CEO of Pfizer. Nothing really nefarious. It depends on how you look at it, right? Nothing. We'll talk about the sale. Uh, the CEO of Pfizer sold a bunch of stock Monday morning. Um, again, uh, to the degree that, that you think there is any wrongdoing kind of depends on your point of view. Um, we got some earnings. Uh, Mitch with a great call on Fubo. We'll talk about that. Lyft, we'll talk about that. Talk about Alibaba and just the wreck of the rest of Chinese tech getting wrecked here. Uh, I sort of missed this this headline yesterday, but there's some talk of some new antitrust regulations uh, in China in some way, shape, or form. So that's hitting China. We'll talk about that. Our guest today is Mark Yusko. He's the CEO and CIO of Morgan Creek Capital Management. He will join the show at 8.35. He's a great uh, has great views on the market. It's also a long-time uh, crypto bull, so I'm sure he'll have some thoughts on Bitcoin here. Before I throw it to Joel, I want to remind you all to hit that like button, show us some love, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate that. Uh, Joel, how are we doing here? I haven't, looked, I haven't looked for close to a half hour. So ah, got a nice rally on our hands. S&Ps are up 28 and three-quarters handles at 30. Make, call it 29 at 35.70. Uh, just trading off the pre-market high is 74 and a quarter. A uh, good day for uh, crude oil as well. That's up 96 cents at 42.32. Uh, gold that seesaw action now down 770 at 1868.80. So that's in the red and silver's in the red as well by 27 cents at 24.19. And Bitcoin hanging in there, not moving with the metals up. Oh, for you Bitcoin bulls. Uh, Good afternoon, or not good afternoon, good morning, Dennis, and what do you have for us? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Where's that from? It's from a movie. (laughs) <laughs> it's not, well, that's a good guess, Joel. I think it's, I might have said it wrong. So Give me three, give me three guesses. Okay, go. It's a Jim Carrey movie. Oh, man. Uh, what's that Maybe one? It's good right? morning, good afternoon, and good night. Yeah, oh. I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's good night, but... Uh, it's good night. You know, he knows the movie. Spencer yeah. already knows. It's from The Truman Show. Which you are correct. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. I thought, what was the other one that he was with, uh, in with uh, the blonde? That's, oh, that's so specific. <laughs> uh, the, the you talking Renee Zellweger? I, I don't know which movie he's talking about. That's so specific. All right. Yeah. yeah the, one, uh, the one that he's going across. Uh, oh. Yes Man or something? Well, he's been with a lot of blonde. Yeah, okay. he's on All a completely right. different All right. movie. Moving on. We can't go on a tangent at 804. I'm sorry. We, we started a tangent as soon as you screwed up the good morning and good afternoon. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> go. Talk. You talk, man. I, I got Pfizer. Pfizer. Oh, Pfizer. Yeah, I this is Pfizer. the story okay. of the day, in my okay. opinion. 
Okay, let's talk Pfizer. Okay, go. This Pfizer news, like, it's not material to the stock in any way, um, but it is really juicy. Like, it's super juicy. (laughs) So, and Joel, Joel, you mentioned just before we came on here that you were thinking of it. You're wondering to yourself the other day if any insider sold. Well, we we got our answer last night uh, via filing uh, that the CEO, uh, uh, Albert Borla, sold. He didn't just sell. He sold a lot. He sold 62% of his shares. I think it was about 130,000, wow. if memory serves. Um, 132,000 uh, shares. Uh, he sold it at the open on Monday at an average price of $41.94. Now, Holy, he's so, like the best trader in the entire universe. Uh, so I just want to add a couple of things. First off, he sold at the open. If you look at, if you go and look Opening at tick. Right. If you go and look, he basically his sale accounted for like one percent of all the stock and that traded in that in that minute in that opening minute there. Um, second thing is he damn near top ticked it, right? Because the high of the day was yep. like forty one ninety five or something. So he yep. he got real close to the high of the day. Third thing I'll add is that this is part of a plan. It's part of a ten B five one plan and basically a a a, a legal cover for company insiders to sell stock without being accused of insider trading. So what, what happens with, with these plans is basically the, the, the insider does not actually control the, the, the actual selling, right? What they do is that they, they sort of, they have this plan, they file this plan and their, their scheduled sales at certain times, right? Jeff Bezos has been doing this for years. Zuckerberg's done it. Uh, the, and so that's what happened here. So the, the sell itself was pre-planned. So there's nothing nefarious about the timing of the sale. But when you think about the timing of the press release, yeah. that's interesting because that so the, is. the CEO did, did not control that he was selling stock on Monday morning. But he probably had some control over when the press release announcing their successful you know, phase three data on their COVID vaccine probably had some control when that got released, right? So it was already interesting as far as the timing of the, of the release because it, you know, it, it came just days after a presidential election, right? So that was already interesting for that reason. Uh, and now it's even more interesting because, I mean, did he, I don't know, did he sit on the press release for a couple of days? Like what's the difference between putting the PR out on a Friday versus on a Monday, right? Uh, that, that's what I wonder too. Like, does he know when he's selling in these predetermined plans, like, is that known to him or is they try to keep that? I don't know. So if he knew he was selling that he was going to be selling on Monday and they come up with this huge press release that pops Pfizer and was one of its biggest moves ever from 36 and a half. We talked about it to 42. And if you go back and listen to the show that day, I was saying, if I didn't have it in my long-term account and didn't want to pay the tax, I would be selling into this top, into this open as well, because it was just ridiculous. It was a ridiculous move. We've seen this time and time again. Remember Gilead would come out positive news. It would pop and it would give it back. AstraZeneca would come out positive news. It would pop and it would give it back. I mean, the same thing happened with Pfizer. This is just the playbook that has worked again and again, selling on the positive COVID data. Uh, on the individual company that has reported the data has worked unless it's a real small company it's worked to fade those moves so i mean like you said probably nothing nefarious if it was a predetermined plan you know maybe it's just purely and maybe he didn't know he was going to be selling on monday morning but the optics look absolutely terrible i mean here is a ceo that's not just dumping some shares dumping 62 percent of his holdings on the opening tick on the day they announced where he said and, you know, and we can quote him saying, you know, what he said, 
uh, was this is one of the biggest. What, what, what I don't want to script the quote, but do you have it with you? One of the biggest uh, medical advances in the last hundred years. Yeah, that's a paraphrase, but yeah. So he's on there pumping it on CNBC, saying this. Did he know he was selling shares that day? That's what I would like to know. And I don't know if they can find out and ask those questions. But if he knew he was selling that huge chunk of stock that day and he's on there saying stuff like the biggest medical advancement in the last hundred years. Well, to clarify, I, that sounds like a pure pump and dump. Okay, so, so I he, hope he didn't know. Wait, I hope he, he didn't know he was selling that day. Said, what he actually said was a, a COVID vaccine, a COVID, any COVID vaccine would be the greatest medical advance. He, he didn't say ours is. Uh, he said a COVID vaccine would be the greatest medical advance in the last hundred years. Um, so again, the, the fact that it was part of this plan, the, uh, the, this, uh, the, this 10B51 plan, it gives him legal cover. Like he's not, it helps. Like, like he's not going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. Um, but it's just, like I said, it's not material to the stock in any way, shape or form, but it's just really juicy. Oh yeah, it's juicy. It's a good story. You know, and I've tweeted out multiple times here. I mean, if he knew he was selling that morning, you're, you know, you're right. He could, could totally control the timing of that press release. So, did they intentionally release? The, did he intentionally release the press release that morning because he knew he was selling that morning? That would be what I would be curious about. But it looks terrible. I mean, obviously, there's multiple places talking about this today. It's not just us. It's a juicy story. So, that, I think it is what it is. I think yeah, some questions go, go. are going to be asked. I think some questions will be asked. I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? You know, there'll be. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I. Two days in a row, Pfizer opened up higher and gave it back. And on news. obviously, yeah, on the news, uh, you know, the guy does his homework. He listens to pre-market prep. He knows about how important the opens are for liquidity. So he went into the size buyers there and it hit 42. There must have been a mound at 42 and uh, it sold off. So for Pfizer, I see it trading up 19 cents here. Uh, for you Pfizer traders now, I don't know if you're going to get another pop like that. Parallels in the same area. I don't know. Looking a little heavy, up only 19 cents. So keep an eye. I take out these parallels. You got a gap to fill in Pfizer. So all the brouhaha seems oh, yeah. to have died down in uh, in Pfizer. And uh, I think I think up? you saw the high. I think you saw the 52 week high on Pfizer there. And I'm long the stock, so completely talking against my book. But again, I'm this is on the long-term invest portfolio. I've had it for more than a decade. I don't intend to sell it just because it's been a good one. Uh, but I mean, this was it just What's a ridiculous move. These stocks you know? pop. These huge pharmaceutical companies popped ten to fifteen percent on this positive COVID data. They, they, it's just too much. I mean, it's if it's Moderna or a small little company that's a one-trick pony, and this is their trick then, you know, that's, you know, maybe warranted a, a move like that. But when you have Pfizer, that's probably, this is probably going to not do much, you know, no, very little help to their overall top line, you know, or bottom line here um, in the big scheme of things. I mean, there's so many other drugs, such a huge company that to pop at 15% on that news was just insane. So, and we talked about that. It was a ridiculous move. I could not believe it was up that much. 41.95 and it gives it all back. And then they give you a second shot yesterday on some more positive data from something and it opens high tick again two days in a row opens high tick and gives it all back so i mean it's giving you two chances it's caught everybody there now i don't see the stock going back over 40 anytime soon uh, unless there's another positive data more trial tomorrow and it gets that initial pop but it seems like those pops are there to sell all right let's go to news that actually is material here uh to stocks let's start with fubo they had, earnings, they so had hot. Earnings, and, and we'll, we'll bring Mitch Hodge here on in just a second. 
Uh, I'll give you the numbers here from Fubo last night. Their earnings per share, uh, I, I don't think that number really matters that much. They lost a buck sixty-five last quarter. Uh, sales of sixty-one million dollars that it came in above the estimate. They gave really good guidance though. They gave the Q4 sales guidance in the low to mid eighty million dollar range. That was above the estimate, which was in the high seventies. They gave sales guidance for the entire fiscal year. Uh, there was also above estimates. They gave sales guidance for next year too. That was also above estimates. So they gave a lot of good sales guidance and rev and they, and then good revenue growth uh, year over year in the quarter. They also announced uh, some uh, sports betting uh, operations or partnerships. So collaborations, whatever you want to call that. So a lot, to, a lot to talk about here in Fubo. Uh, Mitch, we're bringing Mitch. All... In. I just, I just want to say one yeah. thing to Albert. Okay, out there, he shouldn't have sold his stock. You know why, Dennis? Why? Because he's gonna have to pay the taxes on it. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I know. I say I don't want to tell. I don't want to sell my Pfizer. I don't want to sell my Apple. I don't want to sell my Amazon or my Google. I don't want to pay the bloody taxes on it. Jason, same thing. Doesn't want to sell his Tesla because he doesn't want to pay the tax pay taxes. On it. Yep. Yeah, make money and pay taxes. So it shouldn't be the reason for not selling. But in this case of Pfizer, it is for me. But Mitch is so hot right now. The person who brought us Workhorse at $3 brings us Fubo at 11 I jumped in because Mitch came on the show, and I know that Mitch does his homework, and he finds the story stocks. And I like the story. He told the story on the show. The stock was at around $11 and change. And I'm like, I like that story. So I went out that morning, and I bought myself some Fubo. I sold half of it before the report because who likes to hold three reports just in case? And then obviously went up to over 15. So it's a good trade already. I still have half here. So uh, thank you, Mitch, for a good trade in Fubo. Uh, what are your thoughts here now that's up 27%? Too much, too fast? Well, before I, I go into whether you know I think it can continue going from here, I want to read here from the actual results here. Um, this is actually from the CEO um, and he said that quarter three was the strongest quarter in FUBU's TV's history, exceeding the targets in all key metrics. Uh, subscriber revenue grew 64%, ad revenue grew 153 and they ended the quarter with 455,000 paid subscribers. One thing that I will note, though, and, and this is why I'm going to start going into what I think we should get into, is that this was as good as it gets. So what you're going to see in the results, and I think what you're seeing the price action and where it is, I think this is just as good as the, the report can get. So now for buys to step up here, I think it's going to be a little bit of a, of a trouble area because the report was so great and we're getting such big of a kind of that gap. Well, um, 27% overnight is a huge move. I mean. And we've saw this before. I mean, you gave us Turtle Beach, too, at a great price, H-E-A-R, and then they came out with killer earnings. And the stock popped significantly that day, but then it ended up selling off afterwards. So sometimes, you know, these things pop and then they drop. Um, the, the one thing I do like about this still, and I, I'm indetermined if I'm going to sell my holdings here or not. I think I might sell part of it. Again, just, you know, like maybe keep a third, like you were maybe saying in the pre-market show. Pre-pre-market show, I was like, should, we, should I sell it? You're like, well, maybe keep a little chunk. But um it's a big move there's a story here still though i mean it's not like everybody's talking about fubo tv and we know how hot streaming is and this is the way to stream your sports and i th i've always said if i could you know just find a good way to stream sports i'd get rid of my cable tv 
I would get rid of. The only reason I, I subscribe to cable is still to watch my sports because I know I'm getting it. You can stream on these online, you know, European sites and, you know, but it's not as crisp. It's not as good. Um, and it's delayed to a certain extent too. But if Fubo can come out and, you know, provide me that service at a reasonable price, you can cut the cord. How here. much so is their service? I think this is, yeah, how much is the service? Do we know? Um, it's about uh, a little bit more expensive than Sling, but they have some other features. It's around, I think, 50 bucks, uh, so, so 50 to 60 bucks. There's, so there's several plans. like like Yeah, every, let's look at right. the site. Oh, you can get like the family, which is $65 a month. That's get, not cheap. You can, well, no. yeah, but it comes with like, like you get 112 channels, you get, you know, cloud storage, you get, you know. That's loaded up. Yeah, I mean, th- this isn't like, this is basically a cable alternative, right? This is not like uh, like Netflix or or um, Apple TV Plus or what, HBO Max or whatever the hell it's called. It's it's not like that, right? Like this is a this is an actual cable alternative. You get channels uh, with this plan. It's cheaper than cable, but it, it it's sort of like a, a medium between between a total cord cutting and having a whole cable package. It's sort of in the middle there. That's why I like this story. I, you like I, got you. I like the story, man. When you told the story on the show a month ago and I was at 11, I was like, I like the story. That's why I bought stock that day. Mm-hmm. I think there's still a story here. Like, I don't know valuation and I don't know if this is as good as it gets or anything like that. But I don't think the st- story, you know, it just ends here today. I mean, it's big gains. Could it give some back? Maybe, maybe like you say, you ring the register and you try to rebuy it if it pulls back. But you know, I always seem to, I'm very good at entering trades. I loved your story. And that's why I got in it. I <laughs> suck at getting out. We know that. I always exit too soon. And, you know, in some cases, then I don't exit soon enough like EA Sports. And I watch my game totally wither away. But, I mean, it's the, the art of selling, uh, the art of exiting a position is still a mystery to me after 21 years. So, Fubo, uh, I don't I kind of like the story still. I kind of want to hold some of it. Even though I like to take 27% overnight gains too. But thank you very much, Mitch, though. This was a great call again. You know, we love the Mitch story stocks. Of course, of course. So before I give you why I think the story might change here, okay. I'm going to go ahead and give some shout outs definitely to the chat here. We see Webcoin, Marmill. We got even a $5 tip. Thank you, Wilkin. I appreciate that. Uh, always great to see all the OGs and everyone that stays in the chat and stays consistent with us. We appreciate that. All right, guys. So popped over the- 21. Just I'll do a real quick technical. Yeah. As far as you're looking at this, you popped over 21, getting to 21 and a half. So you are a buck 80 uh, or buck, buck, uh, buck 30 off that, uh, that pre, no, almost $2. I was correct the first time off that pre-market high. So when you see that. Do you see the charts, Joel? We're not showing the oh, charts. Oh, I'm sorry. Let us see. Uh, um, so you hit that. So you have faded a little bit. Uh, let me get the chart up here for you. So you're going to find some sound. People are caught a little bit that, uh, you know, bought it on the long side. So if you're looking for like this thing to go to 25 bucks, uh, first things first, you got to take out this uh, pre-market high and it's almost two bucks away. Go ahead, Mitch, why, why you think uh, it might be a little overdone here. So what's going on is that you get a report in, in the actual earnings report that notes and, and this is always important. The company states that the key metrics on the year-over-year basis is given in seasonality of sports content. And so with sports kind of taking a step back now that we have, you know, baseball's gone, mm-hmm. basketball's gone, we only really have, you know, 
majority of football being on, I think you're going to see a step back in those earnings, maybe a step back in those subscriber growth. And that's why at least into the next quarter, I think you, you might, you know, ring the register here because at least seasonality wise, I'm seeing a step back in sports. So the story could change for a little while. And then I, I think it can get re-hot again with sports coming back. It's an interesting point because we, for a few few months there we had every sport on at the same time and now we basically only have football on the weekends and and nothing else and masters yeah, it's, it's you got the point. masters no no yeah but you know what i mean i mean you know yeah, yeah you got, we the got hockey coming and we got basketball coming though december they're projecting the nba start date i believe second week of december they got the nhl start date january 1st so we do have sports coming uh, but it's a great point you're making you get a little lull in here is this yeah. going to slow the subscriber growth for the next month or two it could and I the mean, other thing, an argument there. The other thing to to sort of go on what Mitch is saying is so Fubo is is like a like you can call it like a streaming play, but it's been an under the radar streaming play. So that's I, what I'm saying. So I wonder if it is if it is no longer under the radar and it, and it's on the radar, similar to Roku and Netflix and and all these other ones. Uh, and it, what was the volume yesterday, Joel? Fubo uh, in Fubo. Yeah. Because this tells us how much on the radar it is. You watch that volume. When you start seeing it start go, you know, workhorse train a few hundred thousand shares of three bucks, 400,000 shares, and it starts saying 20 million. I mean, that's when you know the masses are onto it. But I mean, this is a story that we brought to you very early. Obviously, Mitch, great job um, once again with this story. It picked uh, up yesterday, 1.4 million. It's not huge, uh, though. Yeah, but no, that was, that was uh, on a Monday, 3.2 yesterday. So it's starting to pick up. The story is starting to get out there. The question is, does this story carry the stock further or do you ring the register and take a quick 25% gain? I always sell too early. I'm probably going to sell too early again, but I want to hold a little piece here, I think, just because I think the story's not over here yet. Just my thoughts. Coin Collector, another $5 tip. Thank you very much. Dennis, you didn't sell too early if you made a profit, all right? (laughs) You can't go wrong taking a profit. Isn't that what Kramer always tells us? Yeah, you can't go <laughs> uh, unless the stock goes up to a hundred. Then you went very, but, very wrong. <laughs> just, just to add I, on that, um, yeah, you know, I have a, I have a friend that's been struggling with kind of swing trading and long term investing. Um, got stuck in ride at the top, um, mm. and one of the things went that we, we talked about was. Um, is understanding that target. And he, he is now going to be happy with the 20% gains. If he gets that 20% gainer, he's going to ring the register and take the profits. Well, you know what? And that's a reality check here too. I mean, we've been spoiled here in 2020 watching stocks go up as, you know, on Monday stocks going up 25%. I mean, this is not normal. So a 25% move in a stock is significant. So I've always, you know, kind of been of the impression and I've got somebody breaking into my office here right now. I guess I should lock the door, but we've got the three-year-old breaking in. So you want to come on the show? No, I, I just want to add one. <laughs> Go I, talk. I got to get rid of my three. I, I just want to add one thing on that perspective. So, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, put anybody on blast, but uh, I want to read a text message that I got yesterday from a friend of mine who started investing this year. Um, I had to scroll back a lot. Darn it. Um, you get a lot of text, huh? Well, it's a, it's a group chat and sort of there's a lot. Uh, so anyway, uh, basically, here's he asked me, he's like, Spencer, what do you think of all of these stocks that, that uh, here we go. Uh, what tech stocks that have taken hits are we looking to discount buy? I and mean, he, that's a great question. And, and then he named, 
He drops like Roku, DocuSign, Beyond Meat, Amazon, Adobe, DraftKings. This is yesterday at like 11 o'clock. And I said, discount buy. Discount buy. <laughs> All of those stocks are up 40% this year. Some of them are up 200% this year. Yeah. There is no discount. Yeah, yeah. they're down. They've gotten a hit over the last four weeks, but there is no discount here. They're up but 40%. Thi- and, and I saw on CNBC, uh, they had the Rob, somebody talking about Robinhood buys yesterday. And they out, the buys on all those names you just named, like the Momo names, were five to one. They outweighed sales. So you still have the Robinhood crowd jumping in and buying the dips on all of these stocks. And it's worked. I mean, why, you know, we've always talked, you know, buying the dip works, but it's a great point you're making. These stocks still aren't, you know, when you look at a dip. And you've seen these stocks, you know, do what they've done. I mean, even bringing up a DocuSign, yes, it's been beat up, but let's put it in perspective. Go back. Stock started the year 50 bucks, 200. Yeah. So, I mean, is it really, are you really buying on the cheap here or are we just buying after the bubble has already burst? I mean, I don't know if we know the answers to those those questions. I did buy one yesterday. I bought Penn Gaming back um, because we know I sold around 69. I wish I would have got a 53. I didn't. And then I watched it go to 75. On Monday, which was just absolutely crazy, ridiculous, man. came came under sixty. I got in the sixty handle. I didn't get the low of the day yesterday, but I got in the sixty handle. It's sixty four here this morning. This thing goes up to sixty seven, sixty eight. I'll just swing trade right out of it if it wants to go up that much that quickly. It's sixty five here now, so I'm already up about you know what is that five percent? And if it goes up ten percent a day, you know, no news. I'll probably just swing trade out of it. But I mean, I did a little bit of it, but I'm cautious here because. The bubble has burst in some of these stocks. Like I believe the Zoom bubble has now burst. So is it going to go back to 450? It could. Is it going back to 500? I don't think so. So I think it's the snapback rallies, the dead cap balance that you get here is an opportunity to be sold. Because if we truly are, and we talk about this, if we truly are getting past COVID, then all of these stay-at-home plays become a hell of a lot less attractive. Zoom 50 or 60 or 70 times next to your sales. I mean, you're just talking valuation. You can't even think about valuation on these things. It makes no sense. So, I mean, they do a web conferencing and the company's worth 120 billion. I mean, is it worth 20 billion? Probably is it worth 120 billion. Not rationally. There's not value investors coming in here and buying. It's a matter of do the Momo guys come in? Do the Momo guys come back and drive this thing? And does the story continue? If the vaccine fails miserably and we're stuck in COVID for the next five years, Zoom is probably going to be a lot higher. But I don't know if anybody's banking on that. So I think you're a seller of rallies in stocks like Peloton and Zoom now. All right, 827. We're going to be joined by Mark Yusko in about eight minutes. I want to go to uh, China here for a second, uh, mainly just Alibaba. I actually mm-hmm. missed this story yesterday. So we know about Singles Day. We had that. Uh, but a headline that sort of flew under my radar <laughs> until this morning was this headline about uh, Chinese government essentially taking some some antitrust slash monopoly action, it, and so what what it seems like is now Jack Ma is is in the crosshairs, right? Uh, so there is some vague uh, guidance issued uh, for, out of Beijing that basically seems like it's designed specifically to target companies like Alibaba and JD and Tencent. And the fact that they have their their hands in so many baskets around the the Chinese internet and e-commerce uh, universe, uh, so I, I don't know what's going to come of this, but there does seem to be some interest uh, in uh, on behalf of the Chinese government in in terms of curbing 
the, the dominance of these companies. So Alibaba got hit on that. Tencent got hit on yeah. that. The Hang Seng Index, the entire yeah. index got hit on that. Um, I don't know what's going to come of this. Again, the guidance was like really vague. Uh, mm-hmm. There's nothing really concrete here, but it does seem like the government is interested in taking a look at how just how big these companies are. In other words, Jack Ma is is in the crosshairs. I mean, it's been a bad run of news here for Alibaba. Really First, has. You know, the Ant financial IPO canceled. Then you had the disappointing earnings and it shrugged those off and the buy the dippers came in. And now you've had this re- you know, return of, you know, we don't want to own anything tech and Bob is thrown into that stay at home trade and it gets hammered on it. And then it gets hammered again because of the regulation now. So, I mean, it's a, been a bad run of news. I'm long Alibaba in my long-term portfolio. I am not selling it. I think it's the one Chinese company that I do believe in. It's I think the only one I own in my long-term portfolio besides like the ETFs, the emerging markets funds. I'd be a buyer somewhere in here. I mean, do you want to, I don't know if this snaps back immediately here, but you're into a support area. Jill, find me a level. Um, I already uh, own it, but if I didn't tough. own it, I'd buy it. This is one I would maybe buy the dip on. This you one. You have it a level? <laughs> the problem Ooh, is, is it, no, no, it's, it's, it's no, because it's, it's 10 bucks off the pre-market low. So, so if we came I, back to 260, yeah. would you nibble there? 50. Yeah, I think so. 56, 94. Uh, 256 94 is where they took it to and now you're 10 bucks off that so by the dippers I, are yeah, emerged already. i just think i think when you have this kind of price action you gotta you know still rely on yesterday's low and see what happens there yesterday's low was 64.33 i know that coincided with another low that you had at that at uh, 64.56 so keep an eye on that. If it if it falls, you know, below that, I, I don't think it's going to get anywhere near two fifty six. Maybe, you know, nibble a little bit at yesterday's low if you get a shot, and a little bit at two sixty. But seems to me that you know, ten bucks off the low, it, it's big move. It, the highest level it's had since it hit that low, little resistance here sixty eight thirty five. If you're trading this on the long side today, you want to see it stay green. You don't want to see it uh, lose that closing price. But lots of bad headlines. Yeah, bad it's headlines. Been hammered on it. it bought but, it right up. But you know, you're looking now. You're three twenty. You're down to two sixty. So you know, you really had a sixty point fall here on a three hundred dollar stock. It's almost eighteen percent in a week and a half. I I think. If I wasn't in Alibaba and you were looking at this stock for a long time, you're getting back to where it was a couple of months ago. So you're giving back all that rally. I think I, I like I like the dip in Alibaba. So I know I know we had that question: Would you be buying any tech stocks? And it was kind of you know lackluster to Zoom or Peloton, but some of the mega techs, yes. I mean, I know Kramer last night on Amazon. He said Amazon is a sell. He actually said that last night. The valuation's too high. He said Netflix and Amazon's are sells. I'll take the other side of Kramer's trade here. Um, I think Amazon is still a buy. I own Amazon, the long-term portfolio. Yes, the valuation is extreme, but this is, to be honest with you, one, if not the best company in the world. I mean, this just, you know, think about, you know, what they do, what they've done. So yes, you know, valuation is, but you got to pay for yeah, up for good stuff. Um, so I think the dip on Amazon here, it's dropped 300 bucks here in four trading sessions. I think you got huge support down 3,000, 2,900 to 3,000. We've had We've had shots at this before and it's worked. I said it, you know, when it got back to 3000 back on November the 2nd, I'd be a buyer, went to 3300 So I guess you just trade the range maybe now, but you're getting towards the bottom of the range on Amazon. It, could the bottom fall out if they keep hating on tech? Yes, but this is a company that's not going away. And I think eventually you make money if you're buying it here. 
It is scary. I actually was thinking about Amazon yesterday, and it, like I called them the LeBron James of businesses because they literally do everything. Amazing. Company. They do everything. Amazing. They do. They're everything. looking to do more. I know. It, it, it is. They want to be the one-stop shop for the world. Like it's, it's every crazy. single thing. It is crazy how much they do. Like, and it, it, no one is was better suited for a pandemic than these guys, right? Like they, they have the largest cloud operation. They have video streaming, right? They, I mean, they do it all. Um, and you buy everything from home. They, they, I mean, e-commerce, obviously, right? So it's crazy. All right. How much money do you give to Amazon in a year, Joel? Think about all the packages no that show up at your door. You buy every, I, I, over half of our stuff comes off Amazon, I would say. I, and, and wait, and before the pandemic, it wasn't nearly that, but now it's like, I got, like you said, there's an Amazon package showing up at my door every single day. I'm like, oh, we need, we, we should get a laser printer because the kid's in school and we're like pounding through ink because we got an inkjet there and like the laser printer is way more efficient. So I go online, Amazon, da, 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 uh, get a laser printer, way cheaper than I was even looking at the other places for like 190 bucks, shows up the door the next day. I mean, it's, it's just so easy and you get the stuff the cheapest on Amazon too. Like whenever I'm looking for something and shopping for it, you almost always find it cheaper on Amazon. So retail dominated, cloud dominated, tech, I mean, they just do everything. So you've got to pay up for good stuff. Yes, the valuation's high. Would I love to buy it back at $2,000 you know, or 2200 where I originally bought it? Would I love to have it again, another shot down there? Yeah, maybe, but I don't know if you get that shot. And I think eventually it's a $5,000 stock. All right, I want to Next. bring. Well, I want to bring on our guest here now. Oh, Mark. Um, Mark Yusko is the CEO and CIO and Morgan Creek Capital Management. He's also the co-founder and partner of Morgan Creek Digital. Mark, uh, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. I want to start where else with Bitcoin. You've been a you were bullish all the way up, all the way yeah. down, and back all the way up again. He's back. You're back. He's back. Mark, uh, I saw that Drunken Miller is long Bitcoin now. I mean, wh- what do you make of this rally we've had over here uh, of late and, and, and sort of what, where Bitcoin is in the grand scheme of things? Look, we are, we are huge fans of, of digital assets of all kinds. And, and certainly Bitcoin is, is one of those. Um, you know, just, just one clarification. Um, you know, we, were, we were very, very bullish on, on Bitcoin, the asset, um, all throughout 2017 and 18, as we, or all throughout 2017, when we started uh, Morgan Creek Digital. But in December of 2017, we actually got very bearish on the price. You know, the whole conversation you guys are just having about Amazon. Amazon is a great company. The price here is, in my words, stupid. Uh, and I, I, I do think, I don't agree with Kramer, um, I never agree with Kramer, but uh, <laughs> I, I do think that it's dead money for, for a decade here. I, I think that everything that, that Amazon does is already in the price. I think we're on the verge of a, of a tech meltdown uh, like we had in, in 2001. Um, but we can go back to that. But, but so in 2018, we got very nervous about, about Bitcoin price at, at uh, almost 20,000. And the, there were two things that were happening. One was uh, the price had deviated from our view of fair value. People say, how do you value Bitcoin? I go, well, it's actually pretty easy. It is a network. It has fees associated with the network and you can value those fees. Uh, and you can also value the number of users of the network uh, according to Metcalf's law. So all of that said, it was well above 
uh, the price went about double the, the, the value. Now, the problem is it went all the way down to 3,200 bucks by December of the next year, 2018. And that's when uh, we actually, I was on air with uh, Melissa Lee on CNBC and uh, we issued the Morgan Creek digital challenge, the crypto challenge. And we said we would make the Buffett, you know, million dollar uh, charity bet with anyone who wants to take the other side, S&P versus Bitcoin for the next decade, crickets. We got nobody who said they would do it. And uh, clearly Bitcoin crushed the S&P in 2019. It has crushed the S&P again this year. Um, look, this is an asset that most people don't understand. Actually, that's my pinned tweet on Twitter is the greatest wealth is created by making an investment in something you believe in before others even understand it. And what people just haven't come to grips with is Bitcoin is uh, the first use case of the operating system of the internet of everything, right? So there was DOS for personal computers. There was TCP IP for the internet. There's iOS and Android for mobile phones. And when everything in the world is connected in the future, it will all run on blockchain. And Bitcoin is the gas. It is the, the fuel for that, for that network expansion. So, so Mark, one of the things that is not controversial to say, I think, is that blockchain technology is, is the future, right? That's, gonna, that, that's not going away. Blockchain right. is real. Uh, Bitcoin is one use case yes. of, of blockchain. So how, just like there were many early use cases for the internet and for websites that aren't around anymore, like how do we know that Bitcoin is going to be the use case going forward? Or, or it's a fantastic question and, and, and really important. And there, there are two things that, that are different. Uh, and I never like to say it's different this time because I don't mean it's different in the sense of, you know, we get to extremes in markets uh, like in tech, uh, you know, tech has outperformed energy by the most in history until Monday of this week. And then uh, energy outperformed tech by the most ever in history. Think about that. The most ever in a hundred years in one day. Uh, crazy. That's crazy but, day. Crazy day. But the, the key is that um, back when the internet was starting, uh, people didn't understand what the internet was. You guys have all seen, I'm sure, the clip of Katie Couric and Brian Gumbel saying, oh, yeah. what, 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 what is, is internet? internet? Yeah. What is that at symbol? <laughs> and People didn't, and pets.com, right? Pets.com was a great idea. Let's get all our dog food and all our dog stuff, deliver cat food uh, to our homes. And now it's the poster child for the failure of .com. Well, what the hell is Chewy.com? That's it's what the I, same I've company. said that. I it's the same it company. It's yes, the it same is. thing. It's just what had to happen is as an inflection point, you have to have an inflection point in adoption. So once 50% of households had internet in 2001, that's when the great companies were able to be formed. But it wasn't even then. It took another 10 years for over half the uh, households to have broadband. Netflix was a horrible company in 2000, in 2001, in 2002, in 2005, in 2007. Horrible company because video on demand didn't work. Now that we have broadband and now we'll have 5G, we'll have even faster speeds, you can get streaming. You can get, we can do, we're, we're in high definition. Like I can see a bead of sweat on your forehead in high definition, real time. Now, Zoom stock is crazy valued. It could go down 90% and still be overvalued, but whole nother story. So what Bitcoin is, is money or value over internet protocol. 
And it will do to financial services the same thing that the internet did to media. All the asset value in traditional media now exists in streaming companies and tech companies. It's not at ABC, NBC, CBS. They owned everything pre the internet. Now the same thing's gonna happen with financial services and all of value will transact over internet protocol. Same way information goes over internet protocol. The same way commerce, you're talking about Amazon, goes over internet protocol. The reason this is not MySpace is MySpace was first. They were the best social media hub and Facebook came along and now they are. Why? Because of closed source technology. Today, we have open source technology. This company called Red Hat, right down the street here in North Carolina, started a little company and they gave away software for free. And they just sold for $40 billion to IBM. How, how does that work? Well, turns out that when you give something away for free that is open source, you can charge peripheral fees for ancillary services, uh, web services, et cetera. So Red Hat started something that now, if I think about Bitcoin, Bitcoin, the miracle of Bitcoin was that it went from 0.003 cents to a dollar, right? That was the miracle that it survived it all from 2009 until 2010. That was the miracle. The miracle is not a dollar to a hundred dollars or a hundred dollars to a thousand or a thousand to 10,000 or 10,000 to a hundred thousand next year or a million dollars, you know, three years after that. That will not be the miracle. That is just the network effect. That is Metcalf's law that the value of a network increases by the inverse of the square of the sum of the users, right? That's exponential math. And if I ask you guys, what's two times two? Four, right? If I ask you what's 17 times 23. Slow on that one. 17 I, times I don't know if he was talking to me, Dennis. Spencer, <laughs> <laughs> no, you were slow on that one. Come on. 17 times 23. It gets a little know. harder. I'll get crickets. That has been proven. That is the limit of human intelligence. A human being can't do that without a calculator. So how do we think we are at log normal parabolic regression? We're not very good. Not doing it well in my head. And so think about an exponential graph, right? On the left side, it's basically flat to the x-axis. That's internet 1.0. The area under the curve between the x-axis and that curve was a lot of wealth. Think about Intel, Microsoft, Cisco, huge amounts of wealth. Then we have the knee of the curve where it starts to turn upwards a little bit in a parabola. Okay? That area is web 2.0, much bigger wealth. Amazon, you guys were talking about Alibaba. The most valuable company in the world is Alibaba. It, Ant Financial alone, is bigger than the entire US financial system. It will be the biggest. People don't understand how much people in Southeast Asia do on a daily basis in the digital world using uh, assets from Alibaba and Tencent, most valuable companies on the planet. Then you got the parabolic part of the curve, the exponential part of the curve, that's web 3.0. And the area under that curve, which is companies that haven't even been formed yet around blockchain technology with Bitcoin as fuel, People can't even comprehend it. So when it goes from, you know, 15,000 today to 20,000 by the end of the year to 100,000 next year, people's minds will be blown. But what they don't get is that is the value of a single Bitcoin. But a single Bitcoin is not what matters. What matters is Satoshis. We can divide a single Bitcoin into eight decimal places. So we can have hundreds of billions of yeah. individual units of value that will be used by every person on the planet in the future. Not just the Druckenmillers and the Paul Tudor Jones and, and the, the big Bitcoin whales, everybody. 
will eventually have Bitcoin as but a digital asset. Are you going to go buy your loaf of bread for a Bitcoin? Say, I'm going to give you 0.00000001 Bitcoin. What if you get a decimal place wrong? I mean, what if the clerk Actually, gets a you, decimal you, place it's wrong? Great, great point, Dennis. No, you or I won't. We will have a payment system just like Visa, right? Do you give the store money anymore? No. You give them a plastic card and you, I, you don't know what you spent at the grocery store last night. You don't know what you spent at the gas station. We don't even look at the number anymore. Yeah, trust we just plug the card in. <laughs> in fact, they have all these things where, oh, do you want to round up and give to charity? Okay. We don't even know what, what, because we don't care because the payment occurs behind the scenes. The value accretion uh, to owning digital assets. Think about this. Digital is simply the evolution of technology from analog to electronic to digital. Let's take music, okay? I'm old enough, some of you guys are almost old enough. Do you remember vinyl, right? We had an analog, a physical thing that we put on a platter and we turned it around and we made, we listened to music and then those became electronic. We had Napster files and Napster files were pretty cool. I could share an MP3 file with you and you didn't care if you got the copy of a song or the real song in electronic form. With money, you care. You don't want a copy of my dollar. So there are attempts to make money electronic. And actually today, 92% of all money in the world is electronic, right? It's just ones and zeros. In fact, I have a recurring nightmare that I go to the ATM and it says zero. Like, holy shit, how would, how would I prove I don't have zero? I don't have a physical statement anymore. I don't have any proof that I have money in the bank. It's just electronic ones and zeros. This, this is my concern with Bitcoin, and uh, and you've turned me, Mark, and I've you know, and I've been on this show for the last six months, and I'm bullish Bitcoin, which I never thought it would be. Like when I, you were on the show yeah. like a year and a half ago, I challenged you, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm a believer in this, and I've turned, and Joel too. Like we've turned to Bitcoin bulls, even though I don't own Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it's going to 100,000 too, because I think there's a story here that can carry it. Um, but my concern with buying Bitcoin is exactly what you just said. I go and I open a crypto account and somebody somehow, some way gets my 16 digit codes, takes yeah. my Bitcoins away. And what's my recourse? I mean, they're just gone. So I go throw. You it's know, a bear a asset. Dennis, you, you are exactly right. But let's think of money. Think okay. about the early days of money. How much money has been stolen from the Federal Reserve? Zero dollars. How about the main branch of Bank of America in New York? Zero dollars. How about their... Uh, remote branch in El Paso, Texas, more than $0. That bank's actually been robbed. How about out of the safe, out of people's homes? Hmm, definitely more than zero. How about out of your wallet or purse? Lots of money. If you lose a physical analog piece of paper, like think back to the good old days when we had analog money, physical piece of paper. I had a piece of paper, you had a stock certificate. We'd meet under the buttonwood tree in the late 1700s in New York, and we would exchange physical analog assets. Then they said, well, that's kind of stupid because as you're walking on your way, remember the gangs in New York movie, right? You're walking down the street and one of the gangs would just rob you and take all your stuff. That was the analog world. So and then we went to electronic where now we had a physical repository, all the stock certificates sat at DTCC in Dallas and we trade electronic QCIPs, right? We don't actually own physical shares of stock. We put them on the wall occasionally. If we buy one, uh, I have a share of Cisco with a little plaque says going to zero. Um, <laughs> back in 2000, I really thought it was going to zero and almost did. Got all the way down to seven. Tried, it tried. It tried. It tried. But the difference is when you go to digital, the reason no one will be able to steal your Bitcoin is you won't put 
the bulk of your Bitcoin in a wallet because you could lose it, right? How much money do you carry around in your wallet? I have zero dollars, right? I use my credit card because someone else takes care of the accounting for my money. Same thing with Bitcoin. If you put all your money on, your, on a phone, yes, you could lose it and that would be stupid and people do stupid stuff. They put a lot of money in, in a safe or they put a lot of money in, in a wallet or a purse. But what'll happen is you will use an exchange the same way you use a bank or you'll go to a company that we own a piece of called BlockFi, Blockchain Financial. They take your digital assets, they safe keep them, they give you insurance in case somebody does hack their system. But the key is that all digital assets are, is a digital representation of an electronic asset, which is a representation of an analog asset. We're not creating anything new. Bitcoin's not new. Ethereum's not new. They're just tools in a digital age. And so ultimately, uh, you will own assets in digital form. You'll own digital stocks, digital bonds, digital currencies, digital commodities. Bitcoin is simply a digital currency. It can be used for trade, although it's not very good at that because it's not fast. It's very slow. It's very clunky. Why? Because in computing, you can have fast or safe, not both. How many times does Visa get hacked every day? 30,000 times a day. How many times have you had to change your visa number because someone stole Last it? week. Last, Last week, week I had to do exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's not as secure, because it's fast. They can process hundreds of thousands or maybe even tens of millions of transactions a second. I don't remember the exact number. But it doesn't matter because they're so big and they have insurance so that when there is fraud, when there is theft, they just make it back up. But you know, someone steals your card, they charge 700 bucks at Amazon. And they get that and you get reimbursed and everything's fine, except Visa's profits go down a little bit. But they make so much money charging merchants 3% to, to transact. But think about what Visa is. It's just a spreadsheet that keeps track of our transactions over the course of a month and then settles up with the bank once a month. Mark, I, I just want to interrupt you real quick. Uh, a couple of things. First off, if you're having nightmares about having zeros in your accounts, I, I think I hate to be the one that say this, but I think your subconscious is telling you to buy gold bars. Second thing, <laughs> uh, second thing is I have a few of those. So <laughs> uh, people in the chat are asking this, and I I, I want to ask myself. So how how would yeah. you how would you buy? There's a million ways to, to yeah. buy Bitcoin uh, or blockchain and get exposure to that asset in some way, shape, or form. The ETF, safest way. ETF. Yeah, yeah. So a couple things. So so to own exposure to blockchain, it's really mostly. Uh, in the private markets now. You can own companies that are using blockchain technology to build things. So BlockFi, Figure Technologies, these companies that are building traditional financial services and other you know, uh, implementation businesses around blockchain. So that, that's really venture capital. In terms of crypto assets, there are really a handful that you should own. Uh, and those happen to be cryptocurrencies. Now, the thing is, there are only about a dozen cryptocurrencies. Then there's a whole bunch of utility tokens or shit coins, as they've been called in, in the uh, Congress. And those you want to stay away from unless you're a techie, right? If you're a techie and you can actually determine which project, which venture capital project that's basically liquid in the public markets, because that's what a utility token is. If you can determine which of those is great, go for it. Um, but there's a lot of bad stuff there and a lot of that's going to zero. So what you want to do if you want to own this asset, particularly Bitcoin, is there are a couple things you can do. One, the safest, easiest way to buy it is just to buy the ticker GBTC or the ticker ABTC. Now, GBTC is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, and it is a Cayman Trust 
where Barry Silbert was a genius and he set up this Cayman Trust and allowed people, it's basically a closed end fund where they own the physical Bitcoin and cold storage offline, no risk of loss. Then give you a representation of this, this ownership of that asset through the trust. Now, the problem is it's like any closed end fund, it trades at a premium. Yeah. So the risk is should the SEC ever approve an ETF, which would not have a premium, then your premium would collapse and you could lose money even though the price didn't go down. Now, the, the likelihood of the, the SEC approving an ETF is very low. So you're perfectly fine owning GPTC here. Now, second thing- What's the do, premium? Do you know how much the premium is right premium now? Premium has, has been as high as 80%. I Whoa. think today it's around 16, 17%. Okay, so, so it's not it's, that bad now. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. And for ease of use, it's awesome. Now, I like ABTC better. Now, full disclosure, we own a piece of the company that- that started ABTC. It's called a MUN. And uh, it is a Swiss listed security that doesn't have the, the same premium problem. Um, so now you have to own a Swiss stock. So you have to have a broker who will allow you to own a Swiss stock. Uh, but but th those are the easy ways to own it. A better way, right, is to own it. Now you can own it directly through companies like Coinbase or Gemini or BlockFi or Square, right? You can go get Cash App and you can you know, buy it through, through Square, which is why Square's stock price is going crazy. Um, the, the reason people don't like that is they're like, well, not your keys, not your coins. To your point, Dennis, what if I lose my 16 word you know, seed phrase? Well, the key is that doing physical personal ownership of Bitcoin is a little bit complicated and there are some, some risks, right? It's a bearer asset. So if somebody came to your house and tortured you to get your seed phrase, they could literally steal your Bitcoin. You'd have no recourse. So there are some security and safety reasons why I wouldn't have all of my money in uh, my own. Hey Mark, possession. can I happen here with a couple quick questions sure. here? Um, Number one, and I don't know if you can disclose this or not. So, Tom, you know, what when you first invested in Bitcoin, yeah. what percentage was it of your overall oh, portfolio? And uh, what percentage is it now? Yeah. And then the final two things people are asking about these uh, these ETFs, BLCN and BLOK. Yes. OK, so I'll do reverse order. Um, the blockchain ETFs are are not really that great because there's not that many companies that are direct, directly involved in, in uh, blockchain and, and particularly in crypto. So the problem with those things is they're basically highly correlated to the S&P because they own Microsoft and, and uh, Intel. And the, the one thing they do own that is real is AMD and uh, NVIDIA, which are great plays, not so much on Bitcoin, but on Ethereum and on uh, uh, Bitcoin mining. So those have actually been pretty good. So they're, they're not horrible things to own, but they're not as, as directly correlated to the growth because IBM, what percentage of IBM's business is really related to blockchain? Very small. In terms of me, look, I was an idiot, right? Seven years ago, a friend of mine called up, said, I'm, I'm leaving my job. I'm, I'm sending back a billion dollars, this guy, Dan Moorhead. And uh, we had gotten involved with him when he was at Tiger Management. And then he left to start a hedge fund and we backed him. Long story short, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm closing down the hedge fund and sending people their money back. And I'm going to spend the rest of my career focused on Bitcoin and blockchain technology. And this is 2013. And I'm like, Dan, what the heck are you thinking? Why would you do that? <laughs> he says, oh, it's going to be this, this incredible thing. And look, 
I, the reason I'm an idiot is I was not running drugs on Silk Road, nor was I a cryptography student. So I did not <laughs> understand what Bitcoin was in 2013. So as soon as he said picks and shovels, as soon as he said infrastructure for the internet of everything, bingo, I'm in. Now, that venture fund of his, fund one, is up 11x. No one is complaining about making 11 times your money in seven years. But I should have put my money in his Bitcoin fund because that's up 150x. Holy. Best performing hedge fund in the history of hedge fund. But I didn't do that. So I could have had a very small amount of money turn into a very large amount of money, but I didn't do that. So I was what I always am, cautious, skeptical. I was not a true believer. And I put a little tiny toehold, you know, a fraction of a percent in, into uh, digital assets, particularly uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Then uh, a few years later, we started something called the Digital Asset Index Fund with our partner Bitwise. So I put a little more in there. And you know, I probably got, and what I told people back in 2018 and 19 was 1% should be in digital assets. So get off zero. Zero was the wrong number. You had to have 1%. Then I kind of went to two to 3% in 2019, 20. And, and here's the thing. For someone my age, right? I'm in my, my late 50s. Uh, I still think, you know, three to 5% is the right number, you know? And the reason I, I think about that number is I view it as a diversifying asset like gold, right? I think you should have three to 5% in something like gold physical asset. I think you should have three to 5% in, in Bitcoin as a digital asset. The, the best thing about Bitcoin is it is the only asset, including gold, bonds, everything that is truly uncorrelated to traditional assets. It's 0.15 correlated to the S&P. So when you add it to your portfolio, you get lower risk in the overall portfolio and better return. Now, here's the thing. There's a digital divide. If you ask anyone over 35, Who's your broker? Oh, UBS, Merrill Lynch, why? Okay, how much gold do you have? I don't know, three, four, 5%. Okay, how much Bitcoin do you have? Are you kidding me? Zero, that's a Ponzi scheme, that's a scam. I would never own that. Ask anyone under 35, who's your broker? What's a broker? I mean, I got a Robinhood account. Well, what, uh, how much gold do you have? Are you kidding me? That's a barbarous, you know, it's a rock, <laughs> rock. Okay, how much Bitcoin do you have? I don't wanna talk about it. What do you mean? It's a big percentage of my net worth and I'm kind of embarrassed because it's 30, 40, 50%. If you're young, I can actually make an argument that you should have a very large percentage in Bitcoin and other digital assets because we are going there, right? Every stock, every bond, every currency, every commodity is going to be digital. Every single one. There's no way to put the genie back in the bottle. And so if you have a long time horizon, 50, 60, 70 years, it's hard to argue that you shouldn't have a meaningful percentage today. That's a good place to. I, I just want. I want one more question, and this is sure. such a good conversation. So enlightening, Mark. But but I, we're going to go overtime. So we're going Mark. overtime for Mark Yusko oh, here. I'm, I'll do this all day with you we're guys. We're going you know overtime for Mark Yusko. I don't do short. I just I don't know how to do short. I just that's okay. It, it was very informative. My question is, how do we know? And I asked you this before, but I want to ask you it again. I kind of know the answer, but I want everybody to hear the answer. How do we know Bitcoin is the Amazon and not the pets.com? How do we know that Bitcoin is the one? Because if we have all these digital currencies, how do we know that you know this is the Amazon? This is the one you're supposed to own. Yep. Um, five years ago, we didn't know. Three years ago, we were getting closer. Today, we know. Why? Because of Metcalf's law and the network effect. So what happens in networks is they start and 
it's something called the law of increasing returns. Paul Romer, he won the Nobel Prize two years ago for this. In fact, I read Paul Romer's paper when I was in business school in 1987 called the law of increasing returns. And I said, man, this guy someday is going to win the Nobel Prize. Now, it took 30 something freaking years for him to finally get the prize, but he did get it. And what it says is it's not the best technology that wins. It's the technology that gets to critical mass first. So think about Betamax and VHS. Betamax was far better technology, still crappy technology, but far better technology. But VHS cut the deal with Sony and the rest is history. And you can see examples of that over and over and over again. And the reason Bitcoin is the winner is it got adoption first and it's elegant in its simplicity for what it is. It is a perfect store of value because it has a fixed supply. It is the most scarce asset in the world. It's more scarce than silver, more scarce than gold, more scarce than diamonds, more scarce than real estate, all of which are incredible stores of value. And, and here's the thing, and we didn't get back to this conversation about, about tech valuations, but here's the thing. Everyone thinks stocks are going up. They're not. Over the last two years, the nominal value of stocks is higher by about 20%, but your actual value, your ownership is lower because gold is up more than that. And so your value of not stocks denominated in dollars, which are being devalued before our eyes by the Fed, it's actually lower when you divide by big or by gold. If you divide by Bitcoin, it's even worse because Bitcoin and gold are, are true hard money. And that's why it wins. So there are no other cryptocurrencies that compete with it because the way to think about, and this is the last thing I'll say, the way to think about Bitcoin is the way to think about TCPIP. In the 1970s, there were 80, roughly, internet protocols, right? There was all these internet protocols and nobody knew what the internet was and, and somebody had to come up with the winner. So there was this guy, Tim Berners-Lee, who invented the internet, not Al Gore, right? Tim Berners-Lee <laughs> wrote the first web page using TCP IP as the underlying and he created the thing www. Okay? So today... The internet is run by five protocols, not 80, not 800, five. TCP IP, okay? HTTP, SMTP, FTP, and www. That's it. The same thing is true today. There are lots of people that tried to create cryptocurrencies, digital money, but Bitcoin was the first to solve the double spend problem, which is I can't make a copy of my dollar and give it to you, Dennis, right? On the Bitcoin blockchain, I have to have a Bitcoin, so everybody on the node, the 9,000 nodes say, yep, Mark has a Bitcoin. Two, they say he transferred it to Dennis, check. And Dennis has it in his wallet or his exchange account. Okay. No way I can make a copy and send it to you. We had DigiCash and Digital Eagle and all these electronic monies that tried to do it. But the problem is you could hack them and you could make electronic copies. That's bad. Double spend. So Bitcoin wins because of Metcalf's law, because of the law of increasing returns, and because this myth that you can create infinite numbers of crypto, which is what uh, you know, Peter Schiff says all the time, is just wrong. You can't, right? You can't say, like when VHS was the dominant platform, you can't say, well, I can make as many videotapes as I want. Well, no, unless they're VHS, they don't work on all the machines that are installed. So once you get critical mass and networks are incredible, back to Amazon. Amazon is not a company. They don't make anything. They yeah. don't do anything. They are a search engine that matches buyers and sellers. They are a network. Apple, not a company. They are a network. When there was one mobile phone, okay, 
It was useless, worthless. When there were two, worth more. Now there are 10 billion connected phones. It's really valuable. Networks, Facebook, Amazon, you know, Google, networks. Bitcoin is the network. And that's why it is incredibly valuable and why it wins. That's a great place to wrap up. Mark Yusko, we've kept him for quite some time. He's a CEO and CIO. He sold me on Bitcoin. I'm going to buy GBTC. All right. Let's do it, guys. Morgan Morgan Creek Digital. Mark, thanks for the last half hour. That was fun. That was great. Great Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. All right. Have a great day. Oh, thank you, Dennis. That's really nice. That was a fabulous interview. Thanks, Mark. Oh, I just cut him off. Sorry, Mark. That's all right. He's gone. Uh, we didn't even get to Lyft, but uh, you know they beat Lyft is doing Uber uh, Eats style delivery. Uber Eats style. We gotta cover at least five uh, stocks today. That's just cut. What I'm good today. I'm not even underwater here. I didn't get massacred on the open. So <laughs> let's let's take our time for five minutes. Right, let's time. do a little pre-market prep overtime. Let's start with Lyft here. Okay. Lyft had earnings yesterday. They missed on their EPS. They beat on their sales. And they announced that, well, they've been doing an Uber Eats-style delivery service. They've been testing it out, and they're going to proceed with that. Genius. So, 38, that's my number. They must listen to pre-market prep because we've been telling them, you got to get into the Eats. And they're getting to the Eats. Obviously, they were going to do that. It was an obvious guy says, but we were pointing it out. It's funny that we pointed it out. But anyways, Lyft, $37.16. So where is it going, Joel? Well, he popped up over 38, 38 and change, a lot of change. You got to 38.82, almost 39. But just focus on your dailies here. Look at that 38. You got someone standing there. I don't know who it is, but they got a lot of stock. Uh, 37.98, 38.06. That means they're targeting 38. And boy, oh boy, we should have kept an eye on this trend line. Hey, that was a steep one, and we busted above it. That's my number 38 in Lyft. Don't know where it might have pulled up. Uh, Rock- it was really fast that break of the trend i know uh, rocket companies rkt had earnings yesterday oh. big earnings beat big sales beat they announced a one billion dollar buyback to go with that it was a uh, huge quarter huge i traded this i traded this i'm still long in the long-term account but it popped on the initial pop on the earnings and i was like they hate this company so much they'll just find a reason to sell it so i actually shorted the pop and I made a point on it. It came in about 10 minutes later. I shorted 22 and a quarter, and I was able to cover some in the low 21s. Nice. So just trading the earnings because I had in my head that I don't even care that they beat like crazy. They just hate this company. Like the market just doesn't give it a break. I still own in the long-term account. I still believe in the story. Why do you um, think they just, hate it? Why do you think they hate it? Because it, it just kills earnings every time, and they don't rally it. I mean, the last time was a great earnings report, and they knocked it down. So there's just too many people caught. There's people caught long, and that's why it continues to underperform. Until you can get those people and break those people, and you might have to break them under 20. You might have to break them maybe even below the the low of the move. I still believe in the long-term prospects of this company, mainly because Jason Rasnick does, and he does good long-term stuff. Um, So I'm sticking with Rocket. Jason sells it. I'll sell it. Um, But I'm sticking with it for Jason Rasnick, and I believe long-term. But just trading sentiment is against it right now, and that's why there was a day trade there to short the pop. I don't know now it's starting, it's holding up fairly well. So maybe they can try to turn it, but I would be cautious just buying because it has good earnings because we've seen this story before on Rocket and it's still the sentiment towards the stock is negative. Uh, on the upside, you have faded off that, uh, that uh, 2260 high, but got to keep an eye on 2235. That splits the highs from the last two sessions of 2229 and 2241. On the downside, 
Uh, first look will be at yesterday's low. That's 28. It looks like you have someone trying to accumulate in the 20 handle. I see the last four lows between 2022 and 2080. So split that 20 and a half. I think you got someone nibbling in some stock. It's every time it rallies, it finds sellers. So it does. And it, it does. did again just about an hour ago. Tough. Uh, let's just do one more quickly here. Let's just do DocuSign. I saw a few people drop that one in there. I just sold it. Like, uh, about an hour ago, right before the show started, um, had bought this just uh, dip. I thought it was. I thought you might see a tech bounce today, so I just had it overnight. I just sold it. Um, story is still the story is still there, but this falls into the Zoom. It falls into the Peloton. The valuation just got stupid. I think Mark would probably say the same thing if he was still on the show. Um, that's what he's alluding to um, when he was talking about the tech stocks. Um, it, it's just run so far. The story is still there. I've used DocuSign. It's great. I believe in the, in the company. I believe in, in the story, but the valuation is just too Crazy. tough for me until, you know, unless, you know, we, like I said, this is a totally dependent on COVID COVID, you know, if we're going to be stuck in the COVID bubble here for the next five years, DocuSign Zoom, we're going to be higher, but I believe we're going to get out of the bubble. And I believe you're going to see stocks like Zoom and DocuSign are not going to benefit once we start going back. I think we're going to, I think you're still going to be using them. You're still going to use it, but it's not going to have not the premium. Be. It's got the COVID premium baked in there. So there's 150 bucks worth of COVID premium in here. So once we're out of COVID, that premium's going to come out of it. We're still going to be using Zoom. We're still going to be using DocuSign. We're not saying these companies are going away. I'm just saying there, there's a lot of you know COVID baked in here that we're not escaping the COVID bubble ever. And I think that quickly comes out, which we saw just from the hint of a vaccine. You saw how quickly this thing got killed. Like. So if you obviously, if you know you get the vaccine and we get one approved and we start getting this out and it's working and we're beating COVID, the stock's a lot lower in that environment. All right. Last thing I want to mention here is we've got uh, a new show we're going to be doing uh, at, at 11. It's going to be airing at 11 o'clock today. I'm putting the link in the chat. Uh, what do you got? SPAC attack show. So oh, we're that's breaking fun. down uh, SPACs. They were in favor. They're out of favor. What will be? What will the future hold? Uh, for SPACs, Mitch will be on with one of our writers, uh, Chris Catchy. That'll be at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern. I just put the link into the YouTube chat. We went late today. Show us the love. Hit the like button for going 10 minutes overtime. It's not like we was had that to- our longest interview ever. Well, it was great. I didn't want to cut him off because he was just hey, when you smart. He made me. Yeah. Are you going out buying GBTC today? <laughs> Uh, I, I kind of, I've been believing in the, you know, Mark has been the person that turned me really with Bitcoin because, you know, you think about like two years ago when we were on this show and Bitcoin was 20,000. I was like, this is stupid. And, you know, even and with Bitcoin, I should, you know, be full, you know, just go when Bitcoin was 2000 before it ran to 20,000, I said it was stupid. And then it ran to 20,000. I felt I was stupid. And then it came back down to 3000. I went back to Bitcoin stupid. And I somehow in the last like year, I've like went full circle here and I was like, you know what? It's not going away. It should have went away. If it was really stupid when it went from 20,000 to 3,000, it should have kept going down and it's come back and it keeps coming back. So technically speaking in the chart, just in my head, it makes me feel like this story is still intact and the story could get really hot again. And that's why I am a believer in at least the price going up. I don't know if we're all going to be transacting in Bitcoins. I don't know if the whole world's going to change with digital assets. Uh, but, you know, I do believe that the story here of Bitcoin is has the potential to get very hot again. And 
Where are we right now? Are we getting any pullback to buy? We don't get much of a pullback. No, we haven't. Uh, we're up 345 had, today. had a year and a half of a pullback. I know, but I didn't know how to buy it because I was going to forget my 16 words. And I didn't want to pay an 80% premium in GBTC. So I'm still, I, I, I'd like to be long Bitcoin. I think I need to get off of zero as well. So Mark's made me a believer looking for pullbacks to get into the GBTC. Maybe that's the way. And I just worry, don't worry about the 16 to 70% premium you're paying because hopefully it's going to go, it's going to go, right? Yep. Exactly. Or you go and you just buy it direct, don't pay the 16 to 70% premium and hope your account don't get hacked. <laughs> or don't forget your 16 words. Don't forget your password. All right. Joel had it. He didn't forget his 16 words. Do you still have your Coinbase account? Yes, I do. I do. So you I can do. go in there and buy it and just don't forget your 16 words. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, we appreciate all the love, all the comments, all the likes, all the super chats in YouTube, all the participation on Benzinga.com and Benzinga Pro. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Mark Yusko. That was a fantastic interview. Please rem- remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Catch a replay of this show on our podcast. Email us, as always, questions, comments, concerns, pre-market at Benzinga.com. Everyone have a good rest of your day. And good luck out there. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.